entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Turn the music up, turn me down. Google. Let's go get him again. This time is for the money, my nigga. Brooklyn, stand up. Never been a nigga this good for this long, this hood. For this pop, this hot, for this strong. With so many different flows, this one's for this song. Next one, I switch up. This one will get bit up. He's fucked. Too lazy to make up shit. They crazy, they don't. Paint pictures, they just trace me, you know what? So they forget where they club. They hold style from the try to reverse the outcome. I'm like, reality has been like Seattle out this bitch for like the last four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen days. And like a little bit of sun brightening nigga mood up. And so I woke up this morning, man. Jumped on my Twitter and I got all these wild ass messages in my tweets and shit about our boy versus the enemy, which is everybody else. <laughs> it's not an individual, it's not a certain player. It's just everybody trying to tell us why Joel Embiid's not the MVP of the NBA. And for the life of me, I just don't understand. And, and some of these people were people that were like, yo, I'm more times than not agree with what you're saying. I'm more times than not think you're very measured when it comes to your thought process on certain shit. Until Joel Embiid's name pops up, man. Because then everybody starts pulling out preferences and analytics and gentrification of stats within the game that I love that these people try to find ways to jump into like I'm at a loss for words I mean so am I so am I it's it's just like I don't know what else he has to do (laughs) he said that that's literally what he said I just don't know because you want him to score a whole bunch of points. You want him to carry his team. He's done that. Check. You want him to grab a ton of rebounds, 15 rebound games. He has those. Check. You want him to have the most 30-point games out of any player this year. He has that. Check. And in the asterisk with the whole, like, multiple ones in a row thing. Like, yeah. That like thing. more than 25 of those things in a row type of thing. Like we didn't see that since Harden had like 33 games of 30 plus, but continue. I guess we got to, you know, I guess they're waiting for you to get to like the analytical stats, but we don't dabble in that around here at all. And it's like, you want to talk about assists. I mean, I think you had the number on that, right? Is how many assists does he have against top 10 defenses in the league? It's about like five, which is fine for me when you're averaging about 12 rebounds and then 29, almost almost your average of 30 against the top 10 defenses in the NBA. Not just certain teams or a small stint or a week and a half. We're talking like the teams with the top 10 defenses across the entirety of the season. 
And then when they played head to head and Bede exceeded his points per game this season, while Jokic only had a measly 22 points and didn't really shoot the ball effectively. He had his dimes, which, you know, he's going to have. Oh, but they lost the game. They're telling me. No, but you see that, I mean, you know what? That really shouldn't matter, right? You know, Jokic a few weeks ago, not even a few weeks ago, last week lost to the Spurs by 15 without Jazante Murray. And everybody said, well, yeah, we still have 47, so it shouldn't matter. But, 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 but just a few days before that, my man and B had 45 against the Pistons and y'all crucified him for that loss. So please tell me more. Don't even want to bring up the eight point performance against the incredibly efficient, great, high scoring Sacramento Kings. <laughs> oh, wait, that don't help the narrative. See, that's the thing with me. I just. You can't tell me that even though he had 47 and he lost to the team that didn't have DeJounte Murray, like, oh, well, of course he's going to lose. He doesn't have Michael Porter Jr. He doesn't have Jamal Murray. Well, timeout, y'all used that same excuse to give him the MVP last year and then brought it back up when he got swept and then brought it back again to say, oh, well, like, of course... He's the MVP. They're the sixth seed. They're losing all this stuff. And Embiid has this and that. And I'm like, hold on. The Nuggets have the better bench. Not even based off the eye test, based off of the numbers that everyone loves so much, the, the average and all that, compared to comparable to the Sixers, whose bench is historically bad now and wasn't that good prior to the trade. So now I'm confused because... If Jokic has the better bench, but then all of a sudden he needs these two incredible dynamic players to get him over the hump. But then all of a sudden you can't use that against him when he's losing because that's what MVPs do. And now I'm confused because we're talking around the same square (laughs) and it's the wrong box to be in. And not to mention, he's also playing in the weaker conference. So you're the sixth seed. Are you trying to tell me? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that a team a few games a few tip passes away from being in the play-in tournament can be the MVP of the NBA oh well Russell Westbrook won the MVP as the six seed timeout see that's where the shit gets fucked up because that's when we bring in the whole like you, you you flip the card over it's like ha I got the baby joker and then I pull out the big joker it's like ha well I got the narrative card because that's what everyone loves to use. Thanks. So now all of a sudden, I'm confused on what we're even discussing. Because the six C when Russ won MVP was because of something that we haven't seen in Lord knows how long since Oscar Robinson was running around with baby shorts doing shit. The man averaged a triple double. Won MVP. Then he subsequently wasn't even in the consideration for the other other years afterwards when he won MVP. So now that I'm confused because now the narrative isn't best historical performance for that season. It turns into something else. So then I ask people, well, if Shaq, right? Y'all love Shaq? Yeah, yeah, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, most dominant center ever. Yeah, yeah. Lakers championships. Uh, so you remember when he won MVP? Yeah, of course, yeah. Have like 29, like 14, 13, 14, something like that. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Led the league in scoring. That's a center. Yeah, that shit crazy, right? That was back in the golden era of centers and all that. Time out. <laughs> We're now in a different, the center era 2.0 with two niggas that are doing shit that's wild. And we got two ancillary guys like Towns. And I hate this guy, but Porzingis is also a big, who has a unique skill set. We're in a different time. But we're also in an era of these bigs who are stuck in the era of wide open space and shooting. So now all of a sudden I wake up one day and guess what the fuck is going on? We got a non-American center, because that matters in this situation, leading the league in scoring. To my knowledge, that would be the first non-American person who ever lead the league in, 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 in scoring ever. And then you sprinkle in the Salt Bay in the fact that uh, it's the center of the NBA, a center leading the league in the in, in scoring. Last person to do that was Shaquille O'Neal. He got the MVP. So how can this not be one of those quirky stats that everyone loves when Jokic wins the MVP? Why can't we use that for him? Because no, <laughs> like James Harden's been on some bullshit since he got to the Sixers. Yeah. So you can't tell me, well, well, Harden took away from Joel Embiid's performances or it did, it did this, it did that. Well, hold on, Joel Embiid had about 27 straight games to 30 before James Harden got there. <laughs> and before those 27 games, he was still averaging the same average that he's averaging now while keeping the team afloat with a 3 and D guy who was doing podcasts more than he was making threes. <laughs> Shout out, Cliff. Shout out Cliff, my brother. Uh, ha ha setting that. Um, and then it's like, you know, you got all these things going on with the team of the Sixers. Don't Ben Simmons, is he coming back? Is he not coming back? Second best player. So how can we not allow that narrative of and be carrying a team without his second best player? But when Jokic is getting eight points against the Kings, it's all of a sudden the nigga need fucking Jamal Murray. I just don't know how it can go both ways when it's only slanted towards Jokic in the conversations. And it's just like, bro, for me, it's like, <laughs> yeah, like the man gets a lot of assists. I, I think that's very a special talent of his, but it's incredible. Like, can, like, can we not also act like he's just, he's not a good defender and like a lot of points get put on him and like, that's okay. You know, it's very hard to be good at every single thing. Like I'm not coming down on Embiid because he's not giving me 10 assists per game, but the mere fact that he can give me five or, or four a game and still be the leading scorer on the team and still grab a ton of rebounds. Like, Okay, Jokic is averaging 13 and B's averaging 11. Two boards. Come on, yo. There's a bigger difference between between 30 averaging 30 points and averaging 27 points than averaging 13 rebounds and 11 rebounds. There's a bigger gap in that scoring. Like it's not just one bucket. Like that's <laughs> not how that works. Like it's, not how that works. like it's not just one three that Embiid's making more than Jokic. That's not how that works. So like the notion that Oh man, I mean, yeah, you're only averaging three more points to Jokic. That's a stupid argument. Yeah, because the 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 other thing is like the fact that Jokic is averaging the assists that he averages is not a detriment or or a problem with any argument that you would have with Jokic because it's a special thing that centers have that a very short list of centers can do, which is pass at a high level. 
which means historically those same centers that we have seen been able to pass all the time, the offense in a unique way finds its way through them. Allowing them to showcase their ability because they have something that's checked in their positional box that all the other ones cannot do efficiently. So if a good coach is around, you are going to allow your center to run and make decisions within the offense because, hey, I can put my center in the middle of the floor because he's a center and he can pass and do all these things. And that's a great asset to have. And, and not to mention like, and B's just a better scorer. Like and that's the thing. I'm not going to say that Jokic's talents wouldn't travel to another team, but if we were to switch these two centers and put them on the opposite team, the Sixers would be the Nuggets, and the Nuggets would be the Sixers in the standings and in how the offense would be ran. But the problem would be the Sixers with Jokic, all that passing and all that shit, it wouldn't look the same because Matisse Thibault's not catching and shooting threes. You're going to turn Tyrese Maxey, who's a dynamic, creative basketball player, who... <laughs> Maybe that's the jersey you should pick. But it's just like the, the dynamics of the team is different. So, yeah, his talents would travel to Philadelphia, but I don't know if he would be – if it would look the same in Philly the way it would in Denver. Well, no, it's not a problem to have, but to me, I just think the totality of the player, because you have to play defense, and like you said earlier, I've never seen Joel Embiid get played off the floor or a bench in winning time or subbed for offensive, defensive purposes ever. I've seen that for Jokic. Not to say that it's a bad thing, but it's a thing that if we're going to talk about spice, No, no, no. It's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. Players, it's a bad thing. You cannot be the MVP over someone if it's this close, like everyone's saying, and you cannot do the other side of the ball. That's like saying, yeah, I'm cool with him going and getting 30 and getting 29 put on his head every night because you know what? It's still 30. No, it's not how it goes. Bro, Michael Malone had to put Boogie Cousins in in the fourth quarter to stop Joel Embiid from scoring. And imagine that. How the fuck is Joel Embiid more guardable by DeMarcus Cousins? Multiple injuries over the hill, but he's still an incredible talent. Because I love Boogie Cousins. I think it's a shame that he's gotten hurt. Because he's a forgotten big in this era as well. Because he was, before we came in, he was that guy. He was the 50, 18, four block, three assists, technical, four fouls bull. Yeah. (laughs) He was that. But you, I just, like, I get it. Jokic is great. We're not saying he's not. He got the MVP. To me, largely because he was the most available player last year. Fine, whatever. If that's a narrative, cool. But if we're just talking about what we're looking at, I just don't see how one can go against it. And if you want to go into all this stat shit, like most 40 and 10 games in the season, 12, the other two guys want an MVP while doing that. One of those guys, Russell Westbrook, who we could probably talk about in a little bit, because what the fuck is going on over there? But 
You also lead the league in scoring as a center while also simultaneously leading the league in, in isolation post-up double teams and triple teams. That's like being Calvin Johnson or somebody getting doubled every play, bracket coverage, everywhere you go, on Madden, by the two best streaming niggas on the planet. <laughs> and you still lead the league in touchdowns and yards and catches. That's the equivalent. That's the equivalent. It's the equivalent of... It's something that shouldn't be a thing. Because if I'm seeing the most constant presentation of defense and it turns out to be I'm getting doubled and triple teamed every time I touch the ball and I'm doing all this other shit and I'm still finding a way to average 30? What are you going to tell me? Oh, he takes all these free throws. Yeah, but y'all don't say that to Giannis who a tenth or two points below Joel and B for, you know, free throws attempted. So I don't, does it apply for one guy and not the other or is it really the Philly thing? Because I'm confused, man. I don't know. It could also be Vegas. I feel like Vegas is trying, you know, <laughs> siphon people's money. I mean, I, I don't know, bro. I really don't know. It could be a possibility. The sick thing is, in my stomach, I honestly think they're going to give the MVP to Jokic again. And I already have told people I've been out on the MVP for some time now. When I realized I just had a light switch hit off in my head one day, I'm like, you know, the MVP is not even most valuable player anymore. It's just best story, best narrative, best whatever they feel like deciding that year because I'd much rather the criteria be strictly best player on best team than it is what we are currently seeing in today's NBA. It's too subjective, bro. It's not clear it's it's whoever people want like i it's and it's i don't know it's it's frustrating because it's like damn especially a guy like Embiid, bro imagine like i mean just to put this in perspective you know the career that he had you know all the injuries that he had when he first came into the year and that struggle and like people wrote him off people just like was like yeah sixers need to trade him people I'm need to play. go on ben and He's the guy. You can't trust Joel Embiid. He can't stay healthy. And, like, these past few years, he really shut all of that down. Like, last year, he did have that injury at the end of the year, but he came back and played on a torn meniscus and, and balled for his team in the playoffs. And then, subsequently, right after that, this season, he comes out. He has the COVID issues to begin. But ever since then, he was a monster and a, and a clear favorite for MVP. And then somebody decided to throw out these random analytics and then the narrative changed to, wait, I think Jokic should just get this and go back to back. And it's just like, what are we doing here? Are we, are we rewarding players for being the best and being the most dominant? Or are we just giving it to the people, to, to the player who people believe um, is, you know, is the most analytically sound player? That's what it is, bro. That's what it's turned into be. If it's if there's not a clear cut narrative, 
they're going to follow. Oh, well, this guy's performing this way. And, you know, he's deserving because he's this and he's that. And I just, I just can't buy it because like, I remember hearing, oh, they're about to make a, a book on Giannis's trajectory. Heard about that in the summer. So I'm like, oh, well, Giannis going to get MVP. You can't start writing a book on somebody and they don't find a way to get MVP. Not to say that he wasn't deserving of it because he did deserve it. He had a very great season. But also the narrative around that was, oh, they want X amount of games and he's the most dominant player and they're number one in the East. Those things are very tangible. That's your more traditional MVP reasoning. Right. But when that's dropped in the middle of a triple-double MVP and a MVP based off of playing the most games, then you have other MVPs where they created the most points in the season for, you know, accounted for. All those things are different. Because if it was best player, best player in the league, Brown would have eight of these joints. If it was most dominant season, which what it should be, Brown would probably have four of these joints. Giannis would have two. Curry probably have two. Mm-hmm. A different two, because Curry's. I was about to say Curry do got two. I'm saying, but Curry's unanimous MVP is the most tangible and justified MVP we've seen in the last 15 years. That's crazy. Because it fits all the narratives. It's best player on best team, best team record, historical, best performance, 402 threes, never seen before in 82 games. That's a justified MVP. Right. Not, oh, this guy averaged 28 to 30 points and 10 to 12 rebounds and six to eight assists and played 82 games. Okay. I guess that is the mvp this year i just the narrative changes every season like if kevin durant played all the games this season his narrative would be better than Jokic's. he carried the nets to he drug he drugged the nets to the play-in game if the Nuggets were in the playing game, they'd be in the same situation. I mean, so, I don't even I don't even think KD would have been like they would have been, you know, a six seed. You know, they would have been a five or six seed if KD played. They were the one seed before he got hurt. In the midst of all the situation with Kyrie Irving playing, not playing, part-time, not part-time, the whole nine. Imagine that narrative if he was eligible and didn't miss 18 to 20 games. So if the Nuggets ended up in the eighth seed in the play-in tournament, just like the Nets are, could you justify that that Jokic's case would be better than Kevin Durant's and neither one of those are better than Joel Embiid's based off of performance and narrative? How on earth is he not going to get the MVP? They're going to find a way because analytics and the nerds of the world are pushing the numbers and all that other stuff. First player to have 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 500 assists. They're the six seed in the weaker conference. <laughs> Losing record against teams over 500. <laughs> the Sixers, six games above 500 against teams above 500. So I'm confused. But no, they're going to tell you that Jokic 
is dominating uh, against, you know, uh, against teams over 500. He's having, you know, 40-point games. His last 10 games, he's averaging 40 points. So, I mean, that's what they're going to tell you. But I thought this was a season-long award. Like, I thought you had to, like, like, do that over, like, a season, like, consistently. I thought that was, like, the biggest thing for MVP was consistency. The best player all year long at the position has been Joel Embiid. You can say that he's been maybe the best and most consistent player in the NBA all season, especially given the injury history to the guys that we normally would put up there, the LeBrons, the Currys of the world, the Kevin Durants of the world. Like, no one has ever said in any given year, Nikola Jokic is the clear-cut best player in the NBA. Nope. Even if you wanted to argue it based off of his numbers, there's still other people who have had better performances because they're not the number one seed. They've never been the number one seed. I could make it if I really wanted to try, I could make an argument for like Devin Booker should be the MVP over Jokic if we're going to go that way. Easily. Kept his team afloat with the star injury. That's an area that you guys love a lot. Chris Paul is actually the more direct, direct, directly impactful player out of the two between him and Jamal Murray. Yep. Because no Chris Paul, the Suns are still that 26, 20. They're still that 2016, 26 win team. They're not the 63, 64 win Suns without Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets without Jamal Murray are still the Jokic Nuggets who are going to get swept in the second round. Yep. So what's the real argument? Because I just don't follow or subscribe to the idea that a six seed MVP with a non-historical season should win MVP over the center who's going to lead the league in scoring since Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, I agree. You know, there's another team that had a very historical season this year. I mean, I think you know him, right? You know, your guy used to play for him. Rest in peace, Bean. You know, Shaq. We talked about Shaq earlier. He played for him. The Lakers, man, they had a historical season this year, bro. Don't you think? I mean, yeah, when you're led by a 37-year-old guy who's a couple tenths of a point away from leading the league in scoring at age 37, that's damn historic. Absolutely historic. I mean, I think it's also historic how, like, another player in his 20s, you know, just can't seem to stay healthy and stay on the floor as well, right? Who's, like, a big piece and maybe the most important piece to the Lakers, uh, you know, organization? Because, I mean, like you said, Bron's 37, right? You know, he's he's older. There's only so much he can do. He's Well, he's, he's, he's top two in scoring. He did as much as he could. But that light skin brother, man, is he doing enough? Is, you know, are we, you know, are the Lakers fans, are they, do they have faith in AD? Like, is that, you know, are they trying to ship him out of there with Vogel? Like, what's going on in La La Land? You done? I'm just asking, man. I just want to know. The people want to know. It's not really historical because history shows that Anthony Davis can't stay the fuck healthy. And it's really nasty because it's really not a a fair assessment for him because he's played almost 60-something, you know, 70-something games for a large part of his career. Last couple of years, he's played like 30. 
in LA again and again and again. I have faith in Anthony Davis still. So you believe that he can... But that, that You know how like... You know how like when you lose your teeth and shit, sometimes they don't just come all the way out. Like they hang by like a thread or something. Mm-hmm. You're like, ah, I don't know if I want to pull it because if I pull it, it's going to hurt. <laughs> like... But you play with it though. You look at it for a while. It's like, oh, I could, you know, I can't walk around like this. I got about 10 minutes max, but I gotta pull this jaw now. I can't, you know, I got can't just have a tooth dangling. That's how much faith I have in, in Anthony Davis right now. And like I'm a big Anthony Davis guy, but I gotta call it how I call it, how I see it, and I just don't see. I don't know if I see a guy who takes the offseason as serious as he should. Which is a problem for me because like you know they always say if you're not if you're the if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. Right, right. If you're the richest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. That whole thing. This nigga Anthony Davis is in the right room. He's in a room that I ain't gonna say a lot of people don't get get to be in because you, know, you get to be in that room, you know, <laughs> given, given the room that it is and who's running the room. But like, if you are playing with LeBron James on your roster and you want to be a great, you don't want to be James Jones. You don't want to be Mike Miller. You don't want to be Shane Battier. You want to be. Ray Allen or Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosh or one of them niggas? Shit, Mario Chalmers? You want to be one of them niggas? <laughs> I would put bread on all them niggas that I mentioned. They was walking around doing what Brian do. Off season. Yo, Brian, you really spend a mil, mil plus on your body, bro? Let me see what that's about. some of this this clutch sports king zero dark 30 40 50 60 workouts in that's what them niggas probably doing and i respect that because it 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 bears the benefits on the floor right to some degree now everybody ain't built like brian because he's the only nigga in that bracket but at the bare minimum you see oh i'm a clutch agent can I spend a meal on my body too? I got enough of them. No, that ain't happening. You're trademarking your unibrow. <laughs> Fine. Fine. That's cool. But even on Space Jam, you was getting your ass kicked. And now I'm confused, man, because if I was a nigga who was walking around with someone who was really, really, really fucking good at something, I would try to learn as much about what they do to make them how they are and who they are as I possibly could. If that meant me living with you, who was the greatest at whatever the fuck you decide to do, like, hey, I'm the best whaleologist of all time. Well, goddamn it, nigga, we're going to go live in the ocean because I want to know about Dory and, and all them niggas, not even the whales, all the little fish involved in the situation. Yo, shut the fuck up. Why the fuck can't this nigga go and try to at least be Dory, be a little fish, you know, swim, swim around the big ones. 
But no, you them niggas stuck in the fucking Shark Tank. Who ha ha, motherfucker? I'm over it, bro. I don't got the patience for it no more. Because we got problems. You're not trying to do better in the offseason because it don't seem to be that way. But the biggest problem to me, you know, I've been watching Winning Time and all that shit, Rise of the Lakers. Oh, it's an amazing, amazing film. And I'm just looking at all like, man, man, these guys, you know, they're cutthroat business, trying to figure out who's going to be the coach of this, who's going to run that. And there's a big problem with the Lakers right now. And they don't know what to do as a front office, because it showed me that when we had the fucking trade deadline and what happened for the Lakers, what moves were made. None. <laughs> Technically, I guess it was one because it was DJ Augustine, but like, come on. I mean, he's played well for you guys. DJ's been playing well for y'all. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good, but it ain't enough. Not even close to enough. Like that's the same type of shit niggas were saying when Ramon Sessions was the point guard for the Lakers. Oh, he just had 30 assists in the G League. He's gonna be a great floor general. Okay. <laughs> what else? Like what's anymore? Yeah, like you put your finger on the water to make it not fall out the, the wall, but like. More is coming, nigga. We need something more. Put some concrete <laughs> on that bitch and, and let's go. He said, get some flex seal. Smack it on there. <laughs> they just putting Elmer's glue on a fucking trick, a, 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 a boulder of a hole that we have in our in our organization right now. We don't have good direction. We don't have a good roster. We don't have picks. We really don't have any assets. And motherfuckers is texting me talking about Taylor Horton Tucker had a great game last night. <laughs> I think it's crazy, bro, because it's like, you know, the conversation we were just having about bigs in the league, right? Like, AD is supposed to be in that conversation. He's supposed to be the leader, the front runner of that conversation. Especially because of how defensively sound he is. He's not better offensively than, like, a guy like Embiid to me. Or Jokic, maybe. But the disparity and the, the distance between his defense and everyone else's in his in his position, it's pretty wide for me. Mm-hmm. But he's not available, man. And he's supposed to be that. And when he's healthy, he is that. And we saw the best form of him in the bubble ball places when they won the championship. But I think that's the craziest thing is that, like, that's the last time we saw AD playing at, a, at an elite level. And that's now – we're two years removed from that. And the thing is, like, I don't got a problem with people getting hurt. That happens. We have saw historically players get hurt. We saw legendary guys, Brandon Roy, career cut short. Grant Hill, career cut short. T-Mac, career cut short. Shit, even Larry Bird, as successful as he was, his career was kind of cut short. He could have played longer. Steve Nash, he had to retire because the man couldn't sit on the bench. He had to lay on the ground. I'm not going to say all those guys didn't work on their body. I'm sure they did everything in their power, too. I just don't know if Anthony Davis is trying to do the same thing because I'm not going to say he's not working on his body because he He's filled out his body compared to how he came into the NBA. But if he is a guy who has soft tissue injuries and that's just the thing that he has, then so be it. That's just what it's going to be. It's not Brandon Roy's fault. He had degenerative knees and shit fucked up. But 
I also want to see you like, I don't know, post a, I hate seeing people post videos of shit that they do, but like, please just one, humor me. Like, give me a Ben Simmons joint of you sweating in the gym. Fine. Okay, AD. <laughs> I can frame that as, don't show me the work. Just show me where you're at. That's fine. You know, I don't deserve that. But look, man, it would make me sleep better at night. So, so, pissed. So, I, so a lot of Lakers fans, you know, mentioned you being pissed. A lot of Lakers fans are mad about this whole DeMar DeRozan, Russell Westbrook thing. Now, what is the, what do you believe is the true validity? Because, you know, you know, Magic came on ESPN. He went on the ESPN tour and paraded around talking about how the deal was basically done. And he was, you know, orchestrating the whole thing. But, like, what do you really, like, what do you think the real validity was of that deal actually happening and why things went the way they did? Because, if we're going to be honest, it wasn't a clear-cut thing. It was going to have to be a sign-and-trade situation, and there was cap issues that had to be worried about as well. So, I mean, you know, what do you think really happened there? I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Honestly, because I think that's real diplomatic of you. (laughs) I honestly think that DeMar DeRozan was going to be a Laker. Because if you call and say, I want to come home. And you're a legit dude. Nine times out of ten, you're going to come home Mm -hmm. at one. If someone else also wants to come home and they are the better household name and the more dynamic player in a closer first son of the city than you may be they might lean towards you especially if the influence of the greatest player of the generation is saying i i I fuck with this guy more let's bring him over here but what what is what is the thought process do you think of braun because it's like bruh russell westbrook or demar Derozan, like and i understand you know we we didn't know demar was going to be the demar that we're seeing right now in chicago and, you know, we it was coming off of DeMar, coming from San Antonio. He, was, he had a few down years. You, you know, you didn't know what you were going to get out of DeMar. But, but God damn, like, boy, did that decision backfire. Like, freezing cold take. What do you think was going through Brown's head? I don't know because I'm not going to, like, the whole, like, LeBron as the GM thing, like, it's probably true. <laughs> it's probably a very impactful thing, more so than we've seen in any other star. But I also think that, you know, Brian might have thought it was cool to play with a friend. Because from a basketball standpoint, I don't think that he, like, he even made a post about it before the season started. Oh, they're all saying that we don't fit. We'll show them. Like, if that's your personal battle and your personal motivation to make it through a season at a high level, because, you know, guys find fire and all types of shit. That's a bad thing. That's a bad job because from a basketball standpoint, you're one of the smartest guys that ever played a game. If not the smartest IQ level, all that shit. Understanding of fit roster construction and what you need for a team and all that. There's no way that he sat and thought, you know, Russell Westbrook will fit with me in AD. And this lack of shooting that we had and 
bringing in a whole a bunch of seven time Lakers and shit like that. Like at least the basketball fit with DeMar DeRozan, LeBron and AD works because you know where DeMar's shots are going to come from all the time. Yep. Which then means even though it's not a predictable offense, you know you can run certain shit that will allow DeMar DeRozan to get off while also being able to be beneficial and a player in the middle of the floor that can create, score, and dribble, and everyone respects those abilities. People do not respect the abilities of Russell Westbrook at this point in his career. And there's no way that LeBron sat and watched LeBron, I mean, watched Russell Westbrook play for the Wizards last year and like, oh, yeah, I can see that he led the league in assists and all that shit, but like, he averaged 20-something points, but like, it wasn't the Russell Westbrook 20. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't Westbrook. It wasn't a Westbrook 20. It was Russell Westbrook. Those are two different guys. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, you're not. I mean, two different guys, man. And then this season he comes in and he's averaging career lows, you know? And it's just like. But now you're now you're in a sticky position where you've got an aging guy like Russell Westbrook on your roster still. You still have a guy who seems the, you know, an AD who, you know, can't seem to get healthy and then aging Braun. Where do the Lakers go next? Is Palenka out of there? You know, Vogel's definitely out of there. We know that. Like, what is the next move to get the Lakers on track? Because there's no I don't see a direction. I I just don't know for y'all, bro. Like, I y'all don't have a lot of moves here. <laughs> you know how when you play in Connect Four and shit, and y'all going back and forth, and you filling up the slots and shit. There's a few moves left, mm-hmm. and one of y'all sit and look look across from the other, and you're like, "Well, damn, we just played this shit for an hour and a half." This one game for an hour and a half. You finish the game out and no one wins. No moves left to play. You just wasted your time. So now you got to flush the connect four and start it all over again. Am I hearing rebuild? You can't rebuild with no foundation. You can't rebuild with no draft picks. You can't rebuild on just the allure of the Lakers because now you're looking at a guy who guys around the league don't even really fear the way that they used to. And rightfully show the man's 37. But they should be looking a little bit like, damn, he's 37 and they got AD? Shit. So I'm hoping that LeBron... And Rich Paul, because we know he's an influence in this, goes up and sits with Jeannie and sits with Rob and they have a little powwow and Magic walks in and they all agree that, yo, we're all going to walk to fucking Anthony Davis's fucking crib. Show him that we walked here. Show him the fucked up shit on our feet. And we're going to look at him and say, look, bro, we need all our shoes replaced. And we need you to go get the fuck in the gym and please come back healthy and ready to play. 
because I think that he's had a bad, he may have hit a rough spot in his career. Things happen, you get hurt, it compounds it, you get hurt. Shortened season, all types of shit, multiple seasons in a few years. We got to remember that. But I think AD will come back next season and he'll play a good 60 to 70 games. Fine, whatever. But then while they're at AD's house, they all need to sit and look at each other and say, who the fuck are we going to play with? Are we bringing back Kendrick Nunn, who just took a fucking year-long vacation for the Lakers? I mean, bro, he did have an ACL injury. I don't give a fuck. He hurt his knee. He came back. Oh, I got your knees healthy. Oh, I got a knee bruise. And all of a sudden, you're out for the season. There's Photoshop. There's pictures of Kendrick Nunn with a Lakers jersey on dribbling the ball. And I'm like, well, damn. How many Photoshops do they have with this guy? Because he hasn't put a fucking stitched jersey on yet this year. Tra- Trevor Reese is on the team for what? Dwight I mean, Howard for what? They thought Trevor Re- Trevor Reese was going to be the Trevor Reese of the old and be able to give some type of offensive help and shoot the three. He wasn't able to do that. And they brought Dwight Howard back because they fucked up last year and didn't sign him like they should have and let the Sixers sign him. That was a that was a makeup sign. The Trevor Ariza of old was back when fucking Lamar Odom was not known as a official crackhead. <laughs> you gotta chill. Why you why why Lamar gotta catch strays, bro? Because people remember that. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not like back when Sasha Vujicic was called the machine. People don't fucking remember Sasha Vujicic. They remember Lamar. Because <laughs> that was back when Trevor Reza had a low cut, a few tats, and a little wiggle to his game. Now he walking around looking like Lupe Fiasco is. He's a fucking samurai. I have problems, man. Yo, shut up. What? This is real stuff. I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying I don't know what's going to happen moving forward because I don't know if you can sell people on just coming to L.A. I mean, I'm sure you can. But, like, who are those players going to be? How are you going to acquire those players? And then how are you going to get those types of – those caliber of players to choose – the Lakers over these other winning organizations that are just a few pieces away, like the Sixers. I think the Sixers are going to be heavy hitters in the offseason this year for shooters. So good luck, especially if Embiid gets the MVP and Harden, you know, goes back to the drawing board and we get a new coach like I know we need. Good luck. I can see it now. The Los 76ers lose in X round and Doc Rivers is fired three weeks later. Doc Rivers is now the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. He is now the first coach to coach both the Clippers and the Lakers. And they're going to be fucking terrible. Love that for me. Running around with Kendrick Nunn trying to post up on motherfuckers and shit like that. I already know. Take Doc off our hands, man. We're cool. I'm cool off of it. And his ass over to Utah. And either y'all can get Quinn Snyder and be amazing, or we can get Quinn Snyder and be amazing. But what the fuck we cannot have happen is Doc Rivers continuing to be on your team or my team? Because I I can't have that. I'm out on him! (laughs) I'm I'm just so out on the whole shit. But I think I think 
I think I'm all in on the Bucks winning a championship this year. I don't know. I don't know. I like them. I like them. I think they're good. I think they're really good. <laughs> um, Giannis has been tripping. And y'all know how I feel about Giannis. I'm not a big Giannis guy. I have now turned into an extremely huge Giannis guy. That's fair. I mean, I, I can see why you, you are. I, I respect the hell of him, and I, I think he's snapping right now. He's doing a lot of wild shit. Um, but just personally, I mean, I don't know. He's just not my twist. I don't know. It, it, you know, it is what it is. But, I just feel like how he looks. But, like, he's a good player. Though. Like, he, he, no, he, he's a great player. He's a great player. He's a great player. Like, he's really – and he's tripping right now. Like, and I said this also, like, if – if Giannis were to win the scoring title and he won MVP, I necessarily wouldn't be mad at that. And like, I wouldn't be mad. Title, I, if I he wins the scoring title and he wins MVP, he has to win Defensive Player of the Year because to me, he's my Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, he's he's crazy. I mean, nobody else is blocking Embiid at the end of the game like that. So no one's even attempting to do it. Yeah, I I just like I never was a big fan of his game aesthetically, but it's I'm undeniable. Not. I'm still not. No, nah, but I, I I I like how relentless he is with what he does. He just don't it's care, which I, I like. He knows he can't shoot. But he'd be shooting it anyway. Because he puts the work in. He trusts the work. And that's something that, for lack of a better term, like, people don't fucking do that. Yeah. People shy away from the things that they say they can't do, unless you're a Giannis, unless you're in B, who hear the criticism constantly, and B doesn't dominate enough in the post. Yeah, well, now I'm down here. <laughs> I'm around two threes. Yeah, well, I can hit. I, you know, I hit about four or five of these out of ten shots. That's all you need to do. And they're gonna break your fucking back when they go in too. Because they always timely. <laughs> they always come around when they're supposed to come around. And I respect that. So I just think I look at I look at the landscape of the East, for example, and. I just think the Bucks are still the best overall team. They have the best, if not the second best player in the conference. They have and they the, have they have like they have good players that complement like each other. Like Giannis does what Giannis does. He's a freak. But then you've got guys like Chris Middleton who can create their own shot and can, you know, hit open, open threes and can hit, you know, catch and shoot threes. And then you got a guy in Brooke Lopez, who's like a unicorn and really has grown his game to where he can camp in the corner and, and shoot the wide open three and hit it consistently, but also grab rebounds and play a little defense here and there. Like, and then you got Drew Holiday, who's just like a hound dog and you just sick him on somebody's best scorer and, it's it's hell for them. Not to mention he can also score if you need if you need to, you know, and he can get hot. So it's just like, and I just remember, you know, when you know was, the rumor was Giannis was about to leave the Bucks, and then they got Drew Holiday, and people were like, oh, did this really move the needle? And like we've seen that it has. <laughs> yeah, because like to me, those guys that you just mentioned. And you know how you always see like things on Twitter or people asking questions just randomly, like, who's your most underappreciated sixer? Who's your most underappreciated Laker of all time? Da, 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 da. Like when people when I think of like who's the player or players that 
are really, really good that no one talks about, like the best of the non-recognizable names, for for example. I think the Bucks have the best point guard who no one talks about, the best two slash three that no one talks about, and the best big that no one talks about. Like, I think Brooke Lopez is probably the best center that no one talks about. That's From him good. being a back-to-the-basket 20 and 10 guy to a guy who might give you 16 and 8 on almost 40 from the three. He revolutionized how he specifically plays the game because he used to be the slow it down, give me the ball, I'm going to go score 20 with my back-to-the-basket guy. Mm-hmm. Chris Middleton might be one of the most clutch players in the league over the last few years. And we saw on the biggest stages, remember with Sean Livingston, every time he shot that shit, like, yo, that shit going in. <laughs> oh, 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 he had the elbow? Count it. Oh, he had the elbow again? Count it. Where Anytime I see Chris Middleton do his little wiggle shit, pull up his little jaw, I'm expecting it to go in. Underappreciated. And then, of course, the main guy is, like you said, Drew Holiday. I think he is the singular best guard in the NBA that nobody talks about. Gives you everything he needs. Assists. You can't. I can guard all y'all niggas. And oh, by the way, I'm bigger than most of y'all anyway. So if I really need to, I go get eight straight points down low, all lefty shit. Nothing, no problem. So I just think that. And they all identify with their roles. They all excel within their roles. Their team is the best oiled machine in the Eastern Conference, offensively and defensively. They might not have the best overhead talent. They don't have the name power of KD and Kyrie or Harden and Embiid, but they have the best cohesive unit. So I think they're going to come out the East. Now, if they end up playing the Suns again, I think they're going to kick the fucking Suns' ass because at the end of the day, who are you putting on Giannis? DeAndre and soft ass can't do nothing with that, man. All that all that bobbing and weaving, dancing shit, <laughs> him and Mikel Bridges. Shout out to him, by the way. Nova shit swag. We saw last year that it was a lot. It was like Giannis was out there doing his thing, not even hitting jumpers, getting 50s and all types of fly shit. So I just don't know. What happens unless Devin Booker has his divine nine moment? He's like, Look, <laughs> scope, I'm here the fuck now. Like, this is my coming out party. This is my probate. I'm gonna take this mask off. Y'all gonna see me put this team on my back. We're gonna go finna get this chip. I'm here for that if it happens, but I just think that the Bucks fuck around, do it again, man. I don't know, man. I guess you just gonna have to see, bro. TBD. <laughs> By the way, niggas gotta leave Jay Z alone. I'm just gonna say that. Woo 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 woo. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Fuck this. Man.